bad when your throat goes bad before you start. <clears throat> well, it's a blessing to be with all of you. Again, we had a, a great time in South Boston last Sunday, <clears throat> sharing with friends and people there. We had a good day. Uh, it was beautiful traveling and uh, always enjoy going down and it's a little less enjoyable coming back because it's you're tired you had a good meal they treat us good <clears throat> I spoke to them about considering the matter of the heart and I'm gonna just use that for you today uh, for me uh, considering the matter of the heart and sometimes we say, let's get to the heart of the matter, figure out what's really going on. Um, and I've turned that around a little bit, considering the matter of the heart. There's things that uh, matter in the heart. Now, our physical heart is a, is a, a beautiful thing that God made, marvelous. Um, the physical work that it does for us if you live to be 70, uh, your heart will beat approximately 2.5 billion times. Um, and it will pump somewhere around 49 million gallons of blood. It's an amazing thing. Two gallons. Two gallons of blood, I mean 2,000 gallons of blood per day. So, your heart's working for you. It's obvious you're setting up straight and your eyes are open. But we realize uh, the proverb writer said, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And we realize that the writer of Proverbs is not referring to the physical heart, the marvelous pump that we have inside our body, but it has to do with um, a spiritual heart. And when the Bible speaks of a spiritual heart, it, it speaks about um, the intellect, the emotional uh, side of life. And the will of our, our mind and body. So the proverb writer is saying, keep or literally guard your heart. Guard your inner life. Guard what you have going on inside of that. The phrase with all diligence uh, denotes emphasis, even urgency on uh, to guard that part of your body, the property of your body, uh, your reputation, and above and beyond all else, guard your heart, guard your inner life. And the reason for that urgent admonition is to remember that out of our heart, out of our mind, our intellect, whatever, are the issues of life. And so it becomes the very part of your life 
That's where it flows from. So what comes out of your heart is really who you are in life. He's saying to us that a person is made or broken by the transpiring part of the secret chambers of our heart. That's who we are. Or to put it differently, he's reminding everything comes out of your life is a matter of the heart. And I would like to look at three different things of the matter of the heart. And it's the character and the contentment and then the conquest of the heart. <clears throat> There's many more things that we could talk about the heart and make it a, it's a matter of the heart. It is a, a part of the heart. And so, uh, first one I'd like to look at is the character is a matter of the heart. I'd like for you to turn to Proverbs 23. Um, 7 says there, as he thinks, thinketh in his heart, so is he. But if we look at Proverbs 23, I want to start here, I think, in verse 6. Um, maybe verse 5. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as the eagle toward heaven. Now I really wanted six. <clears throat> Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, neither desire thou his dainty meats. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. The morsel which thou hast eaten shalt thou vomit up, and lose thy sweet words. Now when we consider that just a little bit, God is saying here, as we think in our heart, so are we. And he gives an example here, um, of somebody that would have you to eat with him. He hath an evil eye. He neither uh, desire, don't desire those things from him. For because that person that you maybe are associating with, as he thinks in his heart, that's how he is. And so it could rub off on you. The morsel which thou eateth, thou shalt vomit up. Um, when we think about him saying, come and eat with me, uh, it's sort of like, and Satan can do that too. He can, he can provide ways that would not be for our good. And this man that he's thinking about here, it's a... It's a don't desire his dainties as you look at it. He says, come eat with me. Let's be friends. Let's, let's, uh, let's get together and do things. He's saying, don't do that. Because as you think or begin to think in your heart, that's how you're going to be. So, and I was looking at those words. It sort of seems not nice, but as you vomit up, if you take in... This man's things that he desires, the evil things, 
you're not going to like it. And you're also um, going to lose your sweet words. As I think of a person that, um, um, you know, sometimes we look at people and we say, or maybe we say it about people, uh, that person was a really nice person. I don't know what happened to him or her, but they're not the same person anymore. Have you ever heard that say, uh, said? And it possibly they've gotten sidetracked by somebody or something or just simply the evil one working in their life. And they're not the person they used to be because they've declined from what they used to be. You will lose that sweet part of your life that God has created and put in there if you're not careful. An anonymous poet said it this way, and I think it's so true. I have a house inside of me, a house that others seldom see. It has a door through which none pass, and windows, but they're not of glass. Where do you live? Asked folks I meet, and then I say, on such a street. But still, I know what really, what's really me lives inside a house folks never see. That's so true. I was, I was reading that to Marianne last night as I was thinking about this. And I said, you know, probably we don't really know each other completely. I don't say everything that I ever think to Marianne. Uh, she knows me pretty well. Um, I don't get by with much. But but still, there's probably a few things down there that she don't know, and same way with her, because, you know, uh, well, thinking about our heart, someone has said the reputation is what people think you are, but the character is what God knows you are as he looks into your heart. And that's, that's very true. Character. How do we build character? Because Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. <clears throat> As I think about that, I don't like to think that my heart is desperately wicked. But as I consider those words, um, it asks the question, who can know it? Deceitful above all. And I think as we maybe let go of building character in our life through God, through Christ, through reading the Word, um, it will wane away. It will get less. As I was saying, what happened to that person? We let it go away if we don't continue to build our character in Christ that the heart is desperately wicked. The devil tries constantly to blind us to that reality that we have a heart that is, is prone to want to do what's not right or not good. 
And he wants us to not see that and just slowly walk away from God. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Well, we know who can know it. The Lord searched the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. I found that interesting as I, I read that, that the Lord knows the heart, he searches the heart, he tries the reins, even to give according to what we are, according to what our ways are, according to the fruit of our doings. That's how he blesses us, according to that. I think as we live our life and we think about our hearts, Satan tries to lure us into uh, the notion that unholy, God-dishonoring desires and attitudes aren't really so bad as long as I keep them covered. Um, it's not that I try to keep anything from anybody else, as I was saying, Marion probably doesn't know everything because I don't say everything. But the thought that, and I think Satan would like for us to, to feel that way, as long as we don't say them, as long as we keep a lid on them, as long as we, uh, it's just not so bad then. But it is. Because out of the heart are the issues of life. And so, um, Matthew 15, Jesus said in verse 15, uh, chapter 15, 19, and 20, For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile the man. They were having a discussion about what is it that defiles the man. And he said, not the things that go in, but the things that come out. And so, when we think about our heart and it being the issues of life, that's what comes forth from this heart. So if this is what's in it, whether we have a lid on it or not, be assured it's going to come out sometime and eventually it's going to cause us a problem. So one of life's greatest dangers is to convince ourselves that we're okay simply because we keep a good outward appearance or keep a lid on it or hide it. Nobody really knows what's inside of our house. Um, we can't have those evil things in our heart and think they're not going to come out. Peter reminds us to be sober, be vigilant. Because the adversary, your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in faith. faith. So as we think about sin, the great enemy of our character, and it certainly is, uh, we're, we want to build a character that is pleasing to God, 
and is a help to other people. Uh, that character that displays ulterior motives or unkindness, harsh words, deceitful actions, that's the enemy against our character. Um, those are hard issues, so it's logically we can think also that repentance, salvation and repentance is the only source of right character. Uh, it, it, those are also the issue of the heart. When we cor correct those things, as Paul says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if any shall confess with the, your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart uh, man believeth unto righteousness, and with his mouth confession, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So that becomes a matter of the heart too, as we clean up that heart, as we have a pure heart. Uh, then begins to flow what Galatians talks about the fruit of the Spirit love, joy, peace, long suffering. Gentleness, goodness, meekness, uh, faith, meekness, temperance, against there is no law. So those are also a matter of the heart, and we can. We can have a heart that is, is pure, has good character, that we need not to be ashamed about or have a lid on. We can open that and let people see our own heart. Uh, David, in Psalms 51, 9 and 10, Hide not thy face from my sins, blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. It takes effort to do it. It takes effort to build good character, but we can. We can build that character that will be pleasing first of all, to God. <clears throat> and I believe others will benefit from it uh, as we will benefit from it mostly. Others will also. Secondly, I'd like to look at contentment is a matter of the heart. Um, the Bible also makes it clear that contentment is a matter of the heart. To be at peace inwardly in our own selves is a wonderful thing. 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says that godliness with contentment is great gain. Amen. So why is contentment a matter of the heart? Because everyone wants a inner peace they want a sense of fulfillment. They want contentment. We do want that. That's what we want. We like a life that is peaceful. And God desires that for us. I think he wants us to have that in our life. Contentment. And the only way to really experience true contentment in our life is being right with God and with people as well. Um, I'm not discounting the fact that circumstances uh, 
most assuredly will impact those things of our heart and uh, but then circumstances aren't decisive uh, commitment or contentment is even if a person in the most um, favorable circumstances imaginable will not be content if life is out of calcar inwardly if we lack inside and I think if we lack contentment the reason that contentment is a matter of the heart or is important for our heart matter is because if we're not if we don't have a sense of contentment in our life then we're going to begin to wonder and to look for something that does bring contentment that brings satisfaction in our life and obviously Satan is there to give it to us if we are looking for things and not contented in our heart so it is important that we have contentment within our life because we are going to look elsewhere if we don't I read a fable about a little mouse and it's it's uh, very true it's just a fable so but it's uh, <clears throat> this little mouse was in a constant state of discontentment because of its fear of the cat one day a kindly musician came along and changed the little mouse into a cat thinking that the little creature's fears were now forever banished but then he was afraid of the dog. So the musician changed him into a dog. Then he was afraid of the tiger. So the mission, musician changed him into a tiger. Then he was afraid of the hunter. And at that, the musician changed him back to a mouse. He said, be a mouse again. I can't help you because you only have the heart of a mouse. And I think it's so true. You know, our heart, to be contented, we have to be changed within. It has to change in here to be contented. And the only way we get that, of course, is what I said, is having the inner peace with God. Um, I think no... When our life is upset, we're not contented... We're not, we don't like where we're at. We don't like what God has played, where God has placed us. No matter how much we juggle and shift things, manipulate our circumstances, it's going to bring more contentment. We have to get our heart changed. We have to get right with God. And then we can actually have contentment in Christ. That's where our contentment really is going to come from. Then you can look on at the other side as well. If our heart is right with God and with people, we can have contentment even in the most adverse circumstances that we know. Um, because we know that we are where God wants us to be. <clears throat> I 
thought back again of Mark Cooper. Many of you knew that we were visiting him in, in prison for almost 20 years. And Mark Cooper was one that um, I met for the first time in a very uncontented way. He had killed his wife, um, and he was in prison, and he was trying hard. His first conversations with me were, how can I take my own life and be okay? Ask God for forgiveness first, and then, and he was contemplating all this. He was really thinking about it, and he was in turmoil, seriously. Uh, Marianne had visited with me one time before he was a Christian and uh, it was like a, a life of agony. Um, he didn't know what to do with himself and then through the help of others, influence, um, and maybe I had something to do with it, I hope so. But they had, he had other friends that visited him too, and he became a Christian. And uh, <clears throat> his whole life, his whole face, everything changed. It was beautiful. Marion went to see him later, and she couldn't believe the difference that was in his life. Contentment that he had. And many times, yes, there was some down times that he had during those days where he would say, well, I'll just never get out. I'll never see the light of day out of prison is what he was talking about. Um, but then other times he was also where he says, well, life goes as fast for me as it does for you because he taught school five days a week for those who couldn't read or write in prison. And he created, he did a lot of things in prison to keep himself busy. And uh, he was contented uh, for many of those years. He was content to be there, and he knew why he was there. And God had put him there, and he found God. And so... Uh, even in those adverse situations, he was able to be content with where God had him. Philippians 4.11 says, I've learned in whatsoever state I am wherewith to be therewith to be content. This was Paul. Paul was a man who knew what it was to experience trials and tribulations too. Um, there was points in his life where he said we were uh, persecuted to the point of death, and yet he was content to be there. Whatever state that God had put him there, he was willing to stay there and live. Um, and he wasn't out of touch with reality. He knew what Christ was doing. He knew what he was working for or toward. But he lived so close to Christ in his daily fellowship that he had that encouraging presence of the living Lord within him. He could be contented in whatever he was. That simply overshadowed those things that he was experiencing in his life. 
So he could say in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It was through him. John 16.33, Jesus said, These things have I spoken to you that in me ye might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. There's no answers out there. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the, the world. And so... We don't have to get dismayed at what's going on around us when we know Christ, when we have Christ. We can live uh, in contentment. And so that brings me to the third point of conquest or wrestling in our life uh, is a matter of the heart too. It's what we put into our heart. First uh, Timothy six twelve says, "Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art called, and hast professed a good profession before before many witnesses." He's encouraging us to fight the good fight of faith. Keep on, keep doing it. We can be victorious. What is a good fight of faith? Well, I think Paul would tell us too, it is to press on through the wind of adversity and that is blowing hard against us sometimes. Paul wrote in Philippians 3, 13 and 14, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He simply put his all into it. He pressed toward that mark. Yeah, it was a wrestling. It was a fight. He had to keep on. He had to keep working toward that. To stand in the face of opposition. To main, uh, remain confident that God can bring us through those things that we uh, will experience in our life. And we all do. We have those things that we work through, deal with, and they're a struggle at times. <clears throat> but I think we can boldly declare also that we can be victorious. We have won the victory through Christ. Uh, even when it looks like Maybe we'll be defeated. I think through Christ we can always be victorious. Especially when we are willing to say yes and amen to the God's will for our life. Then we, we know without uh, wavering in obedience to Him or hesitating with fear. Um, we don't need to fear those things. We can stand. We can wrestle. We can, we can war against those things and have God deliver us. Satan will not stop putting those things in our life, putting obstacles in our life that will divert or he'll try to divert our attention to some, somewhere else other than God. <clears throat> he doesn't want us to focus on God. And as I was saying earlier, I think there's a point where if we don't keep our focus on God, if we don't um, guard our character of our heart, 
there's a way that we're going to slowly slip away. We have to stay there. We have to remain um, and not lose sight of the goal that we want to reach at the end of life. And we can't do that by ourselves. We need God. <clears throat> we can also get uh, allow the enemy to have us focus on our problems or even things that, uh, failures that we might have. And those things can paralyze us, can, can uh, make us stagnant or bring us to a negative or a dark place in our life. We become focused on those things instead of focusing on God and focusing on what God can do for me. When we're looking back, and maybe that's why he says don't, don't apply your hand to the plow and look back. If we look back at the failures and things, that, that is simply looking elsewhere than to focus on God and taking us through those things. We can't focus on the negative things, the failures, and also focus on God. And the most important thing that we can do is focus on God and not allow the things in our lives to cripple us or to cause us to stumble or spiritually or emotionally fall. And I think we do. We, we want to focus on that eternal existence that we have. We, have. we, we do have an eternally um, existence. We will spend our life, our, our future life, heaven or hell, one or the other. And so we do have an eternity of existing somewhere. And when we think of about our time on earth, it's very momentarily. And the more we fight uh, for it will be uh, a help to us. Fight towards something that God can help us achieve. <clears throat> Again, if we are worrying or feel anxious because we can't figure out um, things in our life, we're wasting that energy to something that is not worth working toward. We need to give our our attention to God. The enemy will lie and deceive us into believing that there is no hope, but there is. Um, Romans 8, 37, Paul declares, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. If God lets us live any amount of time on this earth, it is inevitable that we will find ourselves engaged in conflict. There are battles to be fought, but let's lay them at the feet of Jesus and let him fight our battles. 
through Christ, we can keep our focus on that goal and end well. And so as we look at our life, uh, there are many things, other characters of the heart that we could talk about. But character matters. Being contented in Christ keeps us pure and holy. Uh, and it is going to be a, a battle, a conquest. Wrestling with things that come into our life. So may God bless you as you consider your heart, the matter of your heart, where you are with God today, and which way you're headed. Um, God will help us in those matters, and we can have a heart that is pure and holy before Him. Let's have a song, Anthony.